With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. People notice a healthy smile, but maybe you have tooth sensitivity, bleeding gums, or acid-weakened enamel. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel are trusted specialty toothpastes created to help improve your oral health. For tooth sensitivity, choose Sensodyne. Bleeding gums, get Paradontax. For acid-weakened enamel, Pronamel is the toothpaste for you. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel. Trusted specialty toothpaste to help bring home your healthy smile. Visit Ibotta to earn cash back. Exciting fantasy football action continues on. And Daily Fantasy at Yahoo is better than ever this year. Yahoo Daily Fantasy recently released a new $300,000 NFL baller contest with $30,000 to first place. $10 to enter. you got to check this out today. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away with the game with a little bit of cash. Get started now at yahoo.com backslash daily fantasy. That's yahoo.com backslash daily fantasy. When you make your first deposit, use promo code POD25 for $25 in free play. That's POD25 promo code for $25 in free play. If you like our show, you're going to love the official Lakers podcast on Podcast One. Join Emmy Award-winning sports reporter Susie Schuster and co-host Aaron LaRusso as they discuss the Lakers news of the day, break down the games from the week, and have exclusive interviews from players, coaches, and sports personalities. So don't miss the official Lakers podcast every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Right, it's Halloween. Uh, this, I guess you dressed up because I can't see your left breast. Yeah. So. My wife bought me this shirt. <laughs> I actually don't mind it. It's like, it's nice, nice and uh, comfy. Yeah, I have two things that um, I wanted to talk about for Halloween. The first is what's like. I'm, neither of us dressed up. Neither of us are going to dress up. No. We're kind of too old for that. Though, if there was something to go to, I would. I really don't know what I would dress up as because that's just never something I've ever thought about for Halloween. But there are some costumes that I'm proud of over the years. Okay. Are there any that stick out to you? Like, you reminisce about Halloween's past. 2008. So I normally didn't dress up, um, but we did have, when I was in grad school, we had a party. And so um, one year, my friend wore a Colt McCoy jersey, and I <laughs> dressed like a football coach. And we went as the difference between the Vikings and a Super Bowl. That's great. Um, so that was one. I dressed up as Andy Bernard one year. Okay. That's good. Um, but other than, I mean, just, you know, I wouldn't out of my own free will do any of these if things. If you had to dress up tonight, what would you, what would you go with? Oh, man. Um, I, mean, I don't know. I, I'd probably go as, like, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> 
What are your uh, What are your daughters dressing up as? Well, Chloe's going to be a dragon. Nice. Uh, and I think Maddie is a princess, which I think is like the it's classic. The pr- it's perfect. Um, I I have no idea what I would do if I had to go out tonight because I have just always figured it out last minute, and that's why I think the Halloween costume that uh, I'm most proud of is. My buddies and I dressed up as three blind mice one year <laughs> as like the third, you know, iteration of a costume because it was the third night of Halloween or whatever. So we just put on sunglasses and like found tails and put pillows under our shirts and found canes and we're three blind mice. Somebody on the uh, YouTube says that, that you should we should go as Sam Darnold's ghosts. Ooh, I do like that. That's a good one. Um, I was once... Uh, um powerpuff girls oh that was fun um, obviously the ninja turtles you were ninja a, turtles you were a ninja good. turtle at one point as every red-blooded american I actually male never was. was really no wow. uh i did once dress up as farmers with a group of three guys and we just oh wrote www.farmers <laughs> I, I have that jingle in my head from like from holidays at my in-laws house. Uh, that's great <laughs> halloween's a lot of fun especially if you're a kid uh best halloween candy uh, like the big, like the white chocolate Hershey's. Yeah, those are good. Yeah, I'm a Reese's guy. Anyways, that's our Jolly Ranchers. That's also. our Halloween discussion. I I wasn't sure if I should spring it on you, so I'll let you decide whether you want to talk about this now or later. Barking dogs. <laughs> we'll save it for the end. We'll yeah, save it. We'll save it we have end. a great story for the end. You want to stick around. We'll do a little Cincy Why. And Eric has a story just that you have to stick around for. We're going to do a couple of quick things um, before we decide the lock of the week. Uh, the home field disappearance is something that has gotten progressively more noticed because we've moved deeper on in the season and home field continues to not matter teams are winning more on the road teams are covering more on the road and um it begs the question is this something that like do we need to pay attention to this legitimately how do we actually weigh it without overreacting yeah well so and the interesting thing was when um when this first came out, you know, I was always like, oh, this is noise. This is noise. There's nothing to it. It's probably a fact. It has something to do with some teams being really bad, some teams being really good. And if a really bad team plays a really good team on the road or at home, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, and so I, I and but it kept happening. And so, you know, I went in and looked and, um, you know, the going into Monday Night Football, the average road team's point differential was plus one point. Uh, and then so that. It's not a lot, but over the course of 250 games or whatever, it's, it will be a lot. And then, but then I took our ELO metric and said, okay, well, if I throw that in, what ends up happening? It actually enhances the road field advantage. Yeah, um, crazy. And then when I took out teams like I took out the the Bengals, uh, the Miami Dolphins, the Whoa, Jets. Don't put the Dolphins in the Bengals category, right? The, the Dolphins can at least cover. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, I took out four teams that were bad, and it only enhanced it even further. Took it out to like an average of like two and a half points. It's nuts. Um, and and so there are some things like you could attribute to decreasing in home field advantage broadly in sports, um, and. One thing that I would probably want to study is is does that does that go out to sports that are less capitalized, right? So one example would be like something like the WNBA or the MLS, where like they certainly don't have the amenities to fly, 
you know, the way that, that the teams in the NFL do. And, and hence some of the things on the body might be more, you know, still be an issue. Right. Yeah. Um, or they're tougher. Or they're tougher, right? <laughs> the, the, the women in the WNBA certainly are tough. The other thing is it could just be noise. And, and our, our friend uh, 903124 on Twitter basically calculated that this could happen basically 1.8% of the time just on random chance alone ba- using base rates. And that, and to me, that's like the, probably the, the explanation that I'm going to use is that it's, it's been basically yeah. random variation so far. Um, but it's really an interesting topic to explore. And home field advantage, I know our friend Josh Hermsmeyer did an article about it on 538 in the offseason. It, it's a really touchy subject because there are so many things that go into it, um, even down to the fact that there are some places like Green Bay where the hotel that the road team stays in is an hour away from the stadium itself yep. uh, that, that can all, you know – that can really uh, you know, uh, dampen a lot of the statistical significance of a lot of things. Well, I think it's a confluence of factors. So there are a lot of things at play. The biggest one, I think, is what you just mentioned, which is randomness happens, yeah. right? And the schedule is weird. You know, We talk about this with individual teams all the time, where it's like, well, their first eight games were weird in this way. They were either really hard, they were really hard or really easy with respect mm-hmm. to one facet of play. And that can happen with respect to how the home field nuance shakes out, as you just mentioned. But then there's a whole host of other things which I think contribute to this over time, home field starting to just wane. Yeah. And that's the travel thing. But for me it's not just that travel's easier. It's that players are used to being in different spots and feeling at home. Not a lot of players live, you know, there are a lot of players that live in other cities than the one they play in, and that's not weird for them. And when they go travel to other places, it's just like, well, I'm traveling to go, you know, play for my team for the the year, right? And then I'm going to move back to wherever the heck I'm from. Um, And so I think they're probably just getting better at traveling. And the difference between home and away, the comforts of home and the comforts of away are just starting to be minimalized yeah. because of all the nice things we have here's a here's a thing um also it's just like the fandom it's just different right like yeah. you know we both root for various teams but i mean aside from like a playoff game right that we've bet on our side like you and i are not going to be contributing to the crowd noise sure. and and we know crowd noise is and its effect on referees also the proliferation of, of instant replay and the scrutinization of referees on twitter for example yeah. this may just lead to um, uh, just a dampening of home field advantage. Uh, the guys in scorecasting talked about it. It shows up in close games more than uh, games that are uh, higher spread. But then this year in the NFL, a far higher percentage of games are within one touchdown than normal. So there's all these things. And, and again, I throw my hands up and probably say that the null hypothesis is still is still not false, yeah. that, that home field advantage exists. And the, the ref thing is the last thing I was going to mention, which is I think just the overall weirdness of the refs can certainly contribute to it. And that's one of the things I want to ask a friend of the podcast, Terry McCauley, about. um, Once we get him on. Once we get him on at some point. All right. Let's do a quick... So we're halfway through the season, and I think it's only fair, especially because my Niners are on a path to Miami and continue to march, to look at some of the values in the Super Bowl. And so um, one one of the wonderful things that we do here is we simulate the NFL season thousands of times and we add in a couple of things that are unique to to you know what we do which Mm -hmm. is obviously we build in you know metrics for each fast of the team using pff grading but there's a little bit of randomness built in that best mimics the way that the nfl season can take these weird turns and quarterbacks can get hot and teams can get hot so um 
at this point, it's time to look at a little bit of value. If you want to bet on a, su- a team to win the Super Bowl right now, if you had to make one bet on one team to win the Super Bowl, who are you taking? Uh, well, I take New Orleans. Um, I think, and right, obviously, right now four four to one plus no, five, five to one actually. So oh, are you they? look, yeah. So so we make it four to one. Uh, and you and I'm getting these numbers from Bet Online. Actually, there are some places where you can get better odds. Yeah. Um, but right now, if I if I were to, have to take one, obviously uh, we actually show value on New England at plus two twenty five. We make it more like plus two hundred. Um, but the Saints are also a, a good bet at plus uh, plus five hundred because again we make it um, we make it plus four hundred. The thing with the Saints, though, is that this is a classic example of making sure that you don't think about sunk costs, right? Because obviously the best time to have bet the Saints would be week three when their Super Bowl odds were you know, very tall a- after the injury to Breeze. Um, but I still think there are a lot of things about the Saints that are undervalued. A, their opportunity to get home field advantage in the NFC is undervalued because, and we, we wrote about this for our AWS article as well, um, the the 49ers are a good team, but they face a tough schedule, yep. and, and the Saints less so. Um, so their opportunity to get home field advantage and their home field are both undervalued, I think, in the market. Also, um, you know, their defense is a far better defense than people give it credit for. Uh, and to so, again, that's undervalued. That and, and so the plus 500, you're really talking about Breeze, right? And I think you pack on all the other stuff that the Saints have in their advantage. I think that they're probably the best bet. My favorite thing about the Saints and the reason that that would be uh, the bet that I would place as well, also to emotionally hedge the fact that um, you know the Airbnb in Miami is already being painted uh, dark yeah. red and that- gold, is that the Green Bay Packers and uh, the Niners are getting all of the love publicly, mm-hmm. whereas people are sort of tired of the Saints, it seems. And so everyone wants to talk about how the Packers or the Niners are the best team in the NFC when really is clearly the New Orleans Saints. They are the best team in the NFC, and if you disagree with that, you're blind. So at, I actually see it right now at plus 550. Exactly. And and not as not all is lost for your San Francisco 49ers. Just oh, look, no. uh, look at a couple other futures. We are example. an underdog. If, if you look at divisional value, there's actually some on the board here. Um, if you want a plus price, I think the Texans at plus 200, where, you know, last time I saw it, plus 200, we make them plus 170. So you're getting a little value there. Deshaun Watson's a guy I think we'll talk about a little bit today. Um, And then the Packers in San Francisco, I've seen this anywhere from minus 200 to minus 225. I think San Francisco and Green Bay, by virtue of some tiebreakers that they already have, are are a little bit actually uh, more likely uh, to win win their division than even those steep prices uh, would. So if you want to stomach that, those are some values that we see here. And, um, you know, last season, you know, we, we did a good job with these. We had we, we talked about New England a lot. Talked about them every yeah. freaking week. So <laughs> so and, and it ended up bearing out. New England was undervalued uh, going into the uh, going into the playoffs at plus 600. Um, and they ended up you know taking it. So I they did. Th- this is a good time. This is a good time to, to, to load up here because you're probably not going to get the Saints at anything under anything higher than 550 or 500. Um, because the Packers in San Francisco, um, they play each other. They play, yeah. Yep. So I, I would, um, I would place that bet now. Plus the Saints, you know, the Alvin Kamara thing. He's been injured. You know, there's just a lot of a lot yeah. of things that are not going to be. And they the have case. gone zero and two in his stead. Well, you lose a first round pick like that, and you're in trouble. 
You should dress up as Latavius Murray and confuse people with that stupid dance all the time. I love Latavius Murray's touchdown dance. The fact that you do that touchdown dance all the time and like two people (laughs) in this office even know what you're doing is impressive. Um, That's the dedication you have to former Viking running backs. Latavius Murray uh, noted for having just as many playoff wins as a starting running back as Adrian Peterson. Oh, yeah. There you go. Okay. All right. We're going to discuss, uh, we're going to pick the lock of the week. Lock of the week is on a slide, which is unfortunate because basically everything else we've talked about has actually done really well. Undefeated over the last three. Yeah, which is yeah. baloney. Um, and everything on Green Line over the past two weeks, we just can't figure out which ones to pick, which means you should just go get yourself a PFF Elite subscription and use Green Line as yeah. you see fit. Um, tons of stuff on there. Obviously, all the NFL games, but all the FBS games as well. We write a, an article each week that you can find on Thursdays. Ben Brown writes an awesome college article as well. Yep. So if you are like forced to watch college football, that's how you should do it. Personally, I don't force myself into that hell. But if you're one of those people, stop judging me. Go forth. No, you remember you said you're gonna. I know. I this know. week, what are you gonna well, that, do this week? Apple picking. I think. I think I'm gonna go see a movie with my my kids. I told you that's great. What mm-hmm. movie are you gonna see? Look, no, I, haven't thought, I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> I have no idea what. Yeah, I have to find one that's like pal- palatable for me. Is the Mister Rogers movie out yet? Oh my! Because that'd be great. It'd be a, technically sort of like a kiddie movie, but your kids have no idea who Mister Rogers is. All right, lock of the week. Let's discuss. Let's start with the Thursday night game. My Niners are going to the uh, desert of Arizona, and while the spread is large, and it's not necessarily one that that we want to talk about, the over at forty two and a half is. And the reason that I think the over is enticing is that the 49ers are on this scorched earth path. And their goal is to just score as many points as they possibly can, no matter what it takes, right? Running the ball over you, destroying your poor, helpless quarterback, and then picking it up and running it in for a score. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, the Cardinals are playing with a little bit of pride now at home in a dome. Kyler Murray is a guy that is... I mean, he's just never out of it, right? So the path to points here feels like a pretty easy one, especially because the Cardinals cannot stop anybody on the ground, and they can't stop tight ends. So if there's two things that the Niners should be able to take advantage of, it's a defense that can't stop the run and a defense that can't stop George Kittle. Yeah, and the the hard part here, and and for me it's just the fact that there are some things on Arizona's side where – you're you're asking the 49ers to score a great you know over 30 points in this game which is certainly yeah, yeah. yeah which is certainly in their in their uh, realm of possibility the Arizona Cardinals have moved the football uh, this season they've they especially in recent weeks i think Kyler Murray has not looked poor uh, they've they've gotten a decent amount in the run game yep. um they they played the giants the falcons but they lead the NFL in field goal attempts yeah, which bad. is which is going to hurt uh, and over, as we saw last Thursday night in a game where one of the teams didn't punt, uh, and and the game should have gone over, it didn't because of you know because drive stalling in the red zone, and and frankly, teams that move the ball and stall drives in the red zone are almost worse for overs than teams that punt yes. after three plays because you know the the, cl- the clock so clock turns. drains and you get no points. And that's- but to that point, Arizona though they're without Chase Edmonds, they're without David Johnson. Uh, they're going to have to. Th- they're going to think they have to throw the ball, which is going to which is going to cause I think more of a sped up game. If this game gets out of control, San Francisco is just going to put up points I think in bunches. And so, and and the market agrees with us. I think this has already been printed, but you know we we said forty two and a half. There are some places where it's already forty three. 
we've seen this sort of go back and forth between 42 and a half and 43. 42 and a half is our official sort of number here, but um, make sure that make sure that you uh, you know there's 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 some value here. I think in both numbers, but obviously more so in 42 and a half, you can get it flat. Both coaches are super conservative, which is not great for scoring points. But, but if the Niners are up a decent amount, yeah. Kingsbury is probably going to throw all caution in the wind and say, screw it, I'm at home, I'm just yeah. going to go for it. So that might flip things a little bit. Next up, we're going to talk about the Detroit-Oakland under. Because we can't get through a single podcast without at least torturing ourselves by considering... Uh, rooting for less points. Yeah, and although the the you know unlike last season, our totals model has done pretty well. You know, you're talking about unders last week. We had Raiders Houston under that move that started the you know I think it started at fifty and a half, but all, when once Greenland released was fifty one, and it got out to fifty two. One of the reasons we we didn't consider printing it was because of that market movement away from us. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, that game ended at fifty one, and if you know. It, depending on how you view it, like that game probably play, that game played under. There was a long touchdown to Hunter Renfro that sort of like turned the tides. But ultimately, uh, that game with the Raiders in Houston, I think Houston has a uh, better offense, better quarterback than the Detroit. That game went under. Um, so you know, it, it it does suck to consider unders. Um, but this one, I don't know. I I can see the fundamentals around it. Oakland likes to run the football. Um, Josh Jacobs questionable. He's yeah. forced a ton of missed tackles, so he's kind of gain value over what those runs should have yeah but um the the thing that would concern me or it just here's an interesting question both teams have great kickers does the existence of a great kicker help or hurt an under because my intuition would say it hurts an under because if prater can hit a 57 yarder from anywhere but it also play like teams play for these field goals when their kicker is good yeah, although it's just the, usually the difference between a long punt or a short punt and a long field goal. You're right, but like fourth and – I mean, I guess we're not dealing – Detroit's made some strides this year, and so has Oakland in terms of offensive play calling, but we're like well, fourth and four from the 37, right? Like I, the good – the teams without great kick – like the we see New England just go for right, it, right? Right, but they, they don't have a not great kicker. They, they don't have a, have a kicker. They, they, they have you or I out there. So while I think I think in principle that makes a ton of sense, I'm not sure. I, I think I stand with you in that I think it hurts um, uh, because it's just the difference between no points and at least getting points, and the uh-huh. good kickers are going to make those more often than not. Where, you know, m- the threshold for where teams actually try them isn't commensurate with how good their kickers are. Right, even if you have like a average kicker, teams are still trying those kicks. And if teams have good kickers, they're just making them more often. Mm-hmm. Um, what worries me about this game is that the Oakland Raiders are actually a decent passing offense, and in that Packers game, they had guys running wide open all over the field. Um, they put up twenty four, you know, on the road in Houston. They're finally coming home, um, and the Lions can't rush the passer. And Derek Carr can make things happen when he's in a clean pocket. And then on the other side of things, the Oakland Raiders just give up big plays like it's their day job, right? Ergo, the Packers game and in that Texans game. And Darius Slay uh, is questionable. Um, The entire Raiders secondary are just questionable by nature. So while this is 50 and a half, and I think there's some value here, this one worries me. A little bit. We've seen that one. I believe that's the one that has declined over the course of the week. But still, yeah, I, I'm I'm less so uh, inclined to bet that one. 
Uh, we can do a quick discussion on Tampa Bay Seattle if you really want. Yeah, this one again. This one's at fifty one. Um, God, this is hard, right? Because Tampa's played some under games, right? They played an under game week one. They played a very under game week two. Mm-hmm. Um, but since and then in New Orleans they played an under game. But the issue is is that their quarterback can't seem to avoid turnovers, and so right. when you turn the ball over on your own end, now I I can't remember where I heard this. But I, I, th- I think it was on the Veasan pod where they they were talking about. Uh, an outsized amount of Jameis Winston's interceptions have happened in his own territory versus versus league average. And so does that like regress a little bit? Um, it didn't last week, I don't think. So, uh, but we have at 51 here. We would we think that's about a point off. Um, Seattle's a place where rain can occur on a relatively frequent yes, basis. Very which, frequent. Which really helped our under uh, against Baltimore. They also went under last week against Atlanta. Um they love to run the ball. They love to run the football. Their quarterback doesn't make mistakes, right? Wilson doesn't. Wilson's more likely to take a sack than throw an interception, which is, you know, uh, which is conducive to the under. It's just really I'm afraid of Tampa Bay and and their propensity to turn the ball over on the help runner. scoring happen. But both teams have kickers that are questionable, right? So in terms of like missing field goals and missing extra points, you might get a, an opportunity there. But this is one I I actually would consider betting. Um, more than the other one yeah i like this one more i like it because of the fundamentals of both teams i like it because the buccaneers um do actually like have a strong run defense and i don't think that'll keep the seahawks from running the ball it'll just make them probably less mm-hmm. successful like for whoever cares about that um and uh and you know the Jameis thing it's like all right well yeah i know he's like a total crapshoot but it's also the market overreacts to that by a pretty sizable margin. Well, the other thing is that there's a good opportunity that Bruce Arians thinks to himself, okay, Jameis has killed us the last few weeks. Can Let's just run the ball more. And well, let's and the, put him in more advantageous situations. And the Seahawks defense is not like a great defense no. by any stretch of the imagination. So I think you could see that. Certainly. If you like unders, you like defenses that are porous against the run, but not too porous, right? <laughs> Where teams can get some... Get, get some uh, a middling level of porousness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm just writing this one in here. Uh, okay. Let's get to the special um, podcast only one. So we're doing this new thing where in our article every week, there's one that we really like that we talk about that maybe we have some good discussion about um, that we want to make only occur on the podcast. So this is going to be the Green Bay uh, Los Angeles Chargers game. This one is technically a road game for Green Bay, but will be played in a painted green stadium in Los Angeles. And um, we are going to talk about the first half over because this was one that, look, the Green Bay offense has been tremendous throughout the season to start games. They have not always finished games well, but starting games, they have been real good. And uh, what is it at currently? You just look at it. 13 minus 120. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we've been talking about this all week. And this is, again, one of the interesting things in, in sports betting that I don't think gets enough attention, right, um, is the fact that the NFL market is very efficient. And, you know, and if you look at, you know, our college product versus our NFL product, for better or worse, there's a, just so many more opportunities in college 
to to for our numbers and stuff to be different than the market numbers. Um, in NFL, it's 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 like pulling teeth trying to find some of these every single week. However, there are derivative markets, right? Where you know whether you're you know if you if you look at the book or not, like whether they you know do a good job of correlating these things is is anybody's guess. And you know, so if you look at the Packers Chargers game, the full game o- total is forty eight, and it's moved uh, up. A full point since the last time I looked, and from open it was forty six and a half, right? Mm-hmm. And so our number is more like dead on forty eight, right? So you don't get a whole lot of value there, right? So you have to look at some other things, right? Because if you like the over, but you don't want to bet against uh, value, you just have nowhere to go, right? But you look at some of the fundamentals, and as as you said, George, Green Bay in the in the in the first fifteen plays of every single game is generating something like three three fifths of an expected point per pass play. They pass more than any team other than Andy Reid's uh, Kansas City Chiefs, um, and they have one of the best quarterbacks in in the NFL. And they're playing this week in a place where a they probably have home field advantage, and b the weather is much better than it would be anywhere else in the country. Yeah, that's Los Angeles for you. Add that to the fact that, and this is probably noise, but add it to the fact that the Chargers' defense fundamentally is not good and has been worse on early, in early in games, averaging uh, two-fifths of an expected point per every early game pass, pass play. 13 over, you're going to have to lay minus 120 to get it, but mostly in team totals, you have to do that anyway uh, in, in more square books, I guess. That that's our, I think our unofficial podcast. Pick. You deserve some kind of uh, award for the amount of gambling parlance that you just. Sorry, all seven people listening are confused now. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, so so Green Bay's team total first half over, yeah, I think is a very good bet. Yes, uh, the Green Bay Packers have scored eight touchdowns on their first fifteen plays this season. It's most in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers has an over 130 passer rating on those first 15 plays, also first in the NFL. They're throwing a lot, as you mentioned. So to me, this is uh, this is a great one. And the best part about this is that you don't have to wait the whole freaking game yep. uh, to know how it does. And uh, I mean, it's just 13 points. Come on. The Chargers are so bad. The, the Green Bay Packers, um, this is like a vacation for them and mm-hmm. their fans. Yep. They're going to just be partying it up. So... Um, Green Bay, first half over 13 or 13 and a half, uh, 13 minus 120. All right, next up, the Washington team that isn't going to win a championship this year or play basketball. Um, someone had a great tweet that it was like all about the Washington sports teams, and it just put, it put like mystics, yeah. you know, champions, um, nationals, champions, the football team, <laughs> <laughs> and then like the Wizards won, you know, 150 or put up 158 last night. Uh, the football team is in Buffalo and they are getting, is it nine and a half? Has it gone to 10? I think it's still nine and a half. Um, getting a ton of points in Buffalo. This was the exact same spot. Basically, it's nine and a half where we like the Dolphins going into mm-hmm. Buffalo, getting a ton of points. Um, and the Redskins are definitely a better team than the Dolphins. But this spread, th- this line is you know a, more than a full touchdown less than what the Dolphins got. And and I guess my question is: Is there really that big of a gap between the Redskins and the Dolphins? Uh well, I think one team's trying more, but maybe yeah, yeah it's it's strange because close. 
but the, kind of. But I also think this is just an overreaction to the market in general, right? So uh, our friend Neil Payne wrote something on 538 saying this is the year of the big spread, right? Mm. And the first six spreads that were over two touchdowns this year, the, the favorite covered five of them. And so the, the, the sports books got haughty and started throwing these things out there. And we've seen over the last – I mean, the fact that the Dolphins covered the last two games, despite everything that they tried to do, shows you how – hard it is to cover as a double digit two touchdown favorite in the NFL right and so I think if this game is played without knowledge of the last two weeks this this is probably 14 and a half right and, and mm-hmm. but I think nine and a half is tough right I mean the the thing with nine and a half is you're basically saying okay Case Keenum's playing um Terry McLaurin is playing and is as effective as he was against the Vikings on Thursday night. Adrian Peterson doesn't fumble, right? And there's weather or, or you know, just fundamentals that keep Josh Allen from be able, being able to complete a deep pass, right? And I think a lot of those things are true, but I still, I still just struggle here. The, the thing that you do have going for you if you like Washington is obviously the 10 days off. Um, the humbling loss uh, by the Bills last week uh, showed a lot of their warts. Um, but I don't know. I, I can't consider this until I know for sure that Keenum's healthy. That's the thing. I, I, the chance of Dwayne Haskins, the H is silent there, should be silent. Stop. Um, <laughs> playing in this game is terrifying because if he plays in this game, it's, it's over. I mean, 37 0 Buffalo Bills. And so that's probably all you need to know. What, but, what do you think about the total? That, uh, the same thing carries for me there. If Dwayne Haskins plays in this game, this is probably 27 to 0. They have no prayer. He looks like he hasn't seen it at a football in like the entire yeah. time he's been with the Redskins, which actually probably isn't that big of a stretch. That's we're, potentially we're, possible. So uh, what I would do is I would I would wait and I would see what happens when Keenum gets ruled in or out. Mm-hmm. Um, I would make a decision there. And and if you're like in a you know pick 'em pool or something, and you get to wait until say Saturday morning, yes. you know, like you do at the Super Contest, um, and you know, because a lot of people do take the Thursday game. I don't know if they'll take this one, but um, so they won't have that option. There there are there are projections for about 70 mile per hour winds, and you know, 20 ish percent chance of precipitation that day. Do you think that'll uh, keep the Redskins from running at 75% of the time. Well, and so my only thing is I think if you're looking at which one of these two things is the bat, is better, the th- over 36 and a half in a 2019 game. Yeah. It's just a numerical play, but I think Washington if the weather is poor uh is a good side because you know, they can run the football and that's Keenum, all they're going to do. And Keenum is not bad on play action. McLaurin's a great player too, especially in the wind. Next up, the Houston Texans are traveling to London. Where apparently the Jaguars just live all the time because yeah. everyone can't stop talking about how this is a Jaguars home home game, um, and this is a a rematch of a game that was a lock of the week for us earlier in the season when Minshew Mania was just beginning. He was a nine point underdog in Houston. That game ended up a whopping twelve to thirteen. It was really terrible, and now Minshew Mania is in full swing. Jaguars are you know in London, and so they're now favored against the Texans. I think a good bit of this really is how injured the Texans are, right? I mean, they've it's, got... It's gone the way of the Jaguars since this opened. They've got Watt out, both Hopkins and Fuller. I think Fuller's actually doubtful. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopkins questionable. Laramie Tunsil for all of his turnstileness. Has been better this year. 
is also questionable, though. Like, all these things. Yeah. O'Brien said he's probably going to play, but yeah. it's. But if he's not 100% and you've got you know that defensive line. Like, the Jaguars are, are a team that will take advantage of those weaknesses. And the Texans don't have much of a defense. So those are my counterpoints to start it off. Mm-hmm. Here's the other point, though. Our guy, Deshaun Watson. We talked about how great Deshaun Watson is. I got roasted, by the way, by the Green Bay uh, Theliacs. I tried to tweet something out about how Deshaun Watson isn't appreciated enough and compared him to Aaron Rodgers. And, of course, it's like, you know, Wisconsin comes out of their hole to to tell me how great Aaron Rodgers is. But Deshaun Watson is not being valued highly enough. He's, you know, 18-1 to to win the MVP. You watch him play and you go, there's no way this guy should be below Christian McCaffrey in terms of the MVP uh, chances, you know, valued by the market. Yeah. Um, One interesting thing here, which I think will help us in because we like the Texans here, right? And anytime we get, we're almost always on the other side of Deshaun Watson for some reason, but here we're on his side. Um, Actually, the only other time we were on Watson, I think the last two years was against Jacksonville in Jacksonville. Um, is this is an under game. Uh, mm-hmm. It's open at 47. It's 46 and a half now. We'd still think there's some value. Well, no, actually, it's a break, about break even on the under. But the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in London, it's going to rain. They don't cover that field, right? There's no roof. There's it's no, called a pitch. Yeah, it's a pitch. Mm-hmm. A- and so this is going to be a little bit sloppy. And the the thing that the thing that would worry me if I'm a Jaguars fan is that Gardner Minshew his shoulder has gotten progressively more injured as the season has progressed. Now, he's Chuck Norris, so he's going to play, but how effective can he be, right? He's been a guy that has been able to steer a, a ship uh, pretty well against some bad teams. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the Jets last week, obviously, Denver, um, you know, they're, they've been impressive, but this is a whole different class. You're playing a guy, you're playing a quarterback who's going to be one of the league's best players, uh, for the next decade. And and to me, I just don't think he can ca- keep up. The other thing is, we talk about how injured Houston is. Jacksonville's not much better. I mean, you know, they lost Jalen Ramsey. A.J. Bouye, you know, Jalen Ramsey held uh, D- Deshaun Hopkins, uh, D- uh, DeAndre Hopkins, to less than, like, 50 yards on seven targets in the first matchup. Bouye is going to take that spot, and he's been good. Yep. Right? But he's no, he's no Jalen Ramsey. D.J. Hayden has a shoulder injury. He's their nickel uh, you know, and, and they're playing guys that are unproven on the other side. So their secondary isn't nearly as uh, as stout. And then guys like Calais Campbell, DJ Chark, uh, they're they're questionable with injuries. So I think this is just a tough, um, you know, there's just, just a lot of uncertainty everywhere else but the quarterback position. And the certainty at the quarterback position is Houston's the be- Houston's better there. And they're, they're not getting points, but they're only laying one here, I think, one and a half. I'm coming up with a new phrase. We always talk about better quarterback yeah. getting points, and this is now better quarterback, undervalued quarterback, yeah. favored by less than three. Well, and let, let's go with let's talk about like just from a numerical perspective. In the first game, we got Jaguars plus nine. It closed about seven, seven and a half. Okay, so on a neutral field, you're talking about four or four and a half. Mm-hmm. This is a neutral field. Okay, no, pe- it's not. People, people are going to say that 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 Jacksonville is a home team here, but historically, Jacksonville's only won these games by an average of about one point two five points, one point five points. So let's let's give them that. Let's grant them that, even though I think it's, it's less it's if you B- take out the Titans. It's BS, <laughs> right? So so you're talking about three, right? Has this has Minshew earned a point and a half of value over the course of the last six weeks? 
over Deshaun Watson, right? I think Watson going into going into the season, he was the most pressured quarterback in 20, 2018. Since week three, he's been twenty second. Since week five, he's been in the bottom, you know, the, the upper twenties. Like I think Watson has probably gained more value as a betting entity in the last six weeks than Gardner Minshew has. He should have. He should have. Yeah. And so that's where we stand on. The, I mean, that's numerically speaking, that's why we like the Titans or the, to the Texans in this spot because, like, it just it's an it's betting numbers, right? And 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 I think the the betting market overvalues Minshew here. Here's the X factor to me in this game. You mentioned the the weather being crappy, and that this is an under game. And the Houston Texans are a far better running team. The reason why? They have a quarterback that runs. You yes. want to know who's good at running football in the NFL? Look for the quarterbacks that run. The Baltimore Ravens being uh, up number one with a bullet. But number two are the Houston Texans in terms of uh, expected points generated per run play. They're the only other team that's positive, I believe, right now. So the Deshaun Watson running with the football when a lot of his other guys might be hurt or not playing is something that the Jaguars don't have, right? When the Jaguars pound Leonard Fournette into a puddle and, you know, what is it, three yards and a, and a cloud of mud, I guess is what it will be, the Texans will, on the other side, be able to take advantage of, um, you know, the, the fact that they're going to have to run the ball maybe a little bit more in bad weather with a much better running game. So who was it that compared Carlos Hyde to Earl Campbell? It was Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts. So Earl Campbell, Deshaun Watson, that's... Yeah, they're getting less than three points. You got to take them. Yep. All right. Sunday night, the best game of the week. Uh, maybe Minnesota KC could have laid throwing a lot claim. of shade at Tennessee, uh, right. Carolina. Right. But, yeah. New England going to Baltimore, and the question to me in this game. So New England is currently favored by three, and I on Sunday night, very early Monday morning, um, said that I thought New England should be favored by like five and a half, six. You were really close to getting irresponsible on that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason that I had for that discrepancy, the reason I, I think that, that it should be a, a bigger spread is the Baltimore Ravens are not are not the team that is going to make Tom Brady look mortal. They do not have that that type of defense. They don't get pressure. They blitz nearly 50% of the time. They blitz more than any other team in the NFL. Tom Brady's been the best quarterback against the blitz for his entire career. Yeah. He finally has Mohamed Sanu, you know, a week to kind of get him acclimated, despite the fact that they overpaid for him drastically. You've got uh, Julian Edelman, guys that can attack the middle of the field, and they have James White. And guess where the biggest weakness for the Ravens' defense is? Their linebackers can't cover anybody, right? Mm-hmm. So there is a, I think, a significant misrepresentation of where the Patriots' defense or offense is because they have been more middle of the yeah. league this year. Whereas the fundamentals tell you that Tom Brady is actually still great from a clean pocket, that they probably will be able to attack this team from a clean pocket. Um, and I've got one more nugget for you here. Ooh. Remember when the Patriots played the um, Eagles in the Super Bowl and everyone was worried about Tom Brady being under pressure? Mm-hmm. Remember what they did? Mm-hmm. Ran a ton of play action. Yep. The Baltimore Ravens cannot get pressure when the other team runs play action and i picked this up chris noted how they looked bad against play action a couple of times and it shows up in those kind of ways they've actually had a decent number of interceptions so the pass rating looks good but high yards per attempt high yards per play unable to get pressure wouldn't be surprised if the patriots leverage that yeah so there's a couple things here that, that is really interesting um 
the Patriots don't have an outside receiving threat, people think, right? Because they, they lost Josh Gordon and, you know, uh, Dorsett's fine. But, you know, they're uh, Nikhil Har- Brandon Cooks, Dorsett. Yeah, Neil, Nikhil Harry is somebody that, you know, will eventually probably be good. But uh, for now, the sneaky thing, though, is that they actually do. Julian Edelman has played almost as many snaps wide as he has in the slot. And that he, he gets this slot stereotype. Now he hasn't been as good. No, he hasn't been as good, but he's a player that can man that position, right? And I'd rather have, obviously, like people thought Sanu, was, Sanu and he would be redundant. But no, I think that the, the Patriots adapt. And Julian Edelman, he, he played outside a lot when they had Danny Amendola, right? He, he plays the slot when he's the best slot option for his team, but he plays outside otherwise. And, and he's a legitimate, bona fide, still number one receiver. Um, and so add that to, and I know this is going to, you know, this is not like the, the biggest take in the world, but like Benjamin Watson is an NFL caliber tight end, something that they've been missing from their team for the first month of the season. Uh, you know, Brady's looked to him. He's got a rapport with him for their, their, their time together earlier uh, in the last decade. So their offense is, is rounding into form better than I think the market indicates on the outside. And then to your point, the Ravens, they got they get Marcus Peters, they get Jimmy Smith back, they're good in the secondary. But the fact of the matter is, is this offseason they lost a significant amount of players in their front seven. And while that might not be as bad against a, a offense that lacks creativity, against the Patriots, they will get ruthlessly abused in the passing game by players like James White, by players like Rex Burkhead, uh and the aforementioned Ben, ben Watson. Watson. Yeah. So so I, to me, like that's the that's the play here. People are people love the Ravens, and we, I mean, John Harbaugh is, has we the best decision maker in the NFL so far on our AWS article. But I think that, that I think that the fact that this number slid towards three three is a playable pick. Yes, and the Lamar Jackson love and look, people want to tell us that we hate Lamar Jackson. I was the person banging the door for him to be picked over Josh Allen and Josh Rosen. I said he should have been, you know, it was a good pick, uh, you know, play for rookie of the year last year. I love Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson adds a facet of play to the Ravens, a unique facet of play really to the league, right? He keeps Mm -hmm. the ball and read options more than anyone else. He's forced like twice as many missed tackles as any other quarterback. He allows you to go for more fourth and shorts because quarterback runs are more efficient and helps you feel better about those plays. Um, He is remarkable, and his passing has not been that bad. But the Patriots' secondary, their coverage is so good Mm -hmm. that they're able to do things with their front seven that I think their plan is going to be to make him you know kind of throw the ball right to Mm -hmm. not let him beat them running uh running the ball i would think and so he's going to have to attack a patriots coverage unit which is the best in the nfl they are allowing a passer rating to opposing quarterbacks who are in a clean pocket that is 10 points lower than the nfl average for quarterbacks when they're under pressure i mean that's ridiculous right they trust their coverage so much that they are willing to give away pass rush because they know that even with a longer time to throw the the their coverage will hold up they're also and, and this is not trivial as well we give out tackling grades they're fourth in terms of they just wrap players up and we saw you know the, in the last game against the Seahawks the Seahawks many times had Lamar Jackson with at least one player able to corral him and just and just couldn't didn't do it. come close. And, and here's another sneaky thing about the Patriots: they run a lot of the same personnel groupings, regardless of, per, of opponent personnel, and that's going to come in handy against uh, against uh, you know 
the Baltimore Ravens who don't run as many 11 personnel packages as some teams. They run a decent amount of two tight ends. Um, a lot of heavy, a lot know, of heavy stuff to pa- running backs. The sets. Patriots are going to keep defensive backs on the field because they're going to need one of them to spy on Lamar Jackson and the teams that fail against heavier teams with running quarterbacks are the ones that play base and say, Hey, will linebacker guy, you're our 11th best player on defense. Oh, but by the way, you're, you're spying yeah, on the yeah. quarterback. You know, if it's somebody like Patrick Chung or somebody like one of the McCordy's like spying on Lamar Jackson, I like my odds a lot better there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. They do play a lot of man defense, which is easy to run against if you're a quarterback. So they're, but they, I, but they play man defense. They play a ton of cover zero. In other words, they say is like, look, we're going to dedicate yeah. these other guys to do certain things. I wouldn't be surprised if what they do in this situation is they say, well, instead of dedicating all of them to blitzing, we're going to dedicate them to contain yeah. and we're going to make Deshaun Watson. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. We're going to make Lamar Jackson. Another quarterback we really like. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, I'm adding Lamar Jackson to my list of favorite players who aren't the best in their position, but they're my favorite. So it's Deshaun Watson, uh, Alvin Kamara, and Lamar Jackson. uh, And Jalen Ramsey are now in that group. Um, Saquon Barkley, too. Yeah. They're going to force him to, to make some throws. And it's not as if he's a terrible thrower of the football, but that's just not his strong point right that's just not where he is going to be a top tier quarterback and um so this will be an interesting game regardless a real chess match on both sides here's a here's a key point and and you know as we as we've learned over the course of the years the three is important yep don't get stuck like we had against kansas city last year with three and a half and you know get the push there if they end up only winning by three all right lock of the week is down to these these plays that we have discussed Mm mm-hmm um, are you willing to take any of the unders? No. Okay. I'm not either. So that leaves us with, uh, also I would say we're probably not willing to bet on Case Keenum right now. Nope. Okay. So that leaves us with the Green Bay LA Charger first half over of 13 for the Packers. The Houston Texans laying one and a half in London or the New England Patriots laying three in Baltimore. Now, we have been terrible at doing this recently. So should we just say which one we like the most and throw it out? <laughs> Are we that on tilt? Well, Sunday Night Football has been a, <laughs> has been a wasteland for it's us. Been awful. Uh, and frankly, when, that, when they play the song at the end of the Sunday Night Football te- broadcast, I want to be happy this week. Yes. So, so um, I kinda, I, obviously, New, England, it, New England's great. And... Um, and I like this pick a lot. And I think that there are underrated reasons why people like us would like this pick and the rest of the market wouldn't. So I, I want to keep that in contention. The game that I liked the most upon first blush this week was Houston. And, and the fact that the market has moved against us at least a little bit, it makes me pause for a second. Um, but there's nothing I like, I find more appealing than rooting for Deshaun Watson. Okay. I'm with you on the on the Sunday night thing because I loved this and the market disagreed with me yeah. and that makes me feel bad about myself and all of those things. And I also love Deshaun Watson. I am intrigued by the Packers. I well cuz they're over 13 in the first half. The Chargers are atrocious. Yes. The Packers are rolling. Yep. The Chargers are atrocious. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yep. It's in Los Angeles. It's going to be all Green Bay fans. And 
the the tough thing for Houston Jacksonville is There really isn't a tough thing. I really yeah, like yeah, Deshaun yeah, yeah. Watson basically in a pick 'em against against the Jaguars. But I think we should consider the Packers for a second because thirteen is just not a whole lot of points. Um, well, and here's a couple other things too. This is literally in the books that I've looked at just been released. So the forty eight that you're getting full game has been beaten into place, mm-hmm. right? That's an efficient number ish, right? I think we still like the over. The thirteen has just been put out there. If you get it at minus 120 now, like that's a great play. It, it, but it's still not as mature as it will be on game, on game it day. Grown. It hasn't grown. So there's, there's, that, there's a, a, a lack of efficiency there that I like. There's also the fact that just numerically, if, I do, if I'm looking where I'm looking now, the, the, the over-under for the first half was 22.5 early in the week. It's now 23.5. The Chargers are actually 10 over, over under 10.5 points minus 120. Right, so you add those two up, you get the twenty-three. You know, you get the twenty-three and a half, but both are juiced to minus one twenty. Right, like I think the Chargers are far less likely to get to ten and a half. Their games generally play more under. So, to me here, I just I really like the I really like this Packers play, and I think if you want to walk up to it on Sunday morning, you're probably or Sunday afternoon after you've lost a few of the noon games, you're probably going to be paying one forty for it. And so, to me, like that's that's where I see the most value, and it's something that we've, you know, yeah, early in the week type of thing. We we were we were waiting, chomping at the bit for this number to be released, and I, I you get there so many ways. You get there with two touchdowns. You get there with a touchdown and two stall drives in the red zone as a push. Um, you know, I I am always one that hates doing things that are like not as closely tied to the team's attempting to win right which is yeah. obviously where the the houston pick wins so i i am i am yeah. uh, i'm torn i like them both if you had to if you had to choose one which one do you think you'd go with the back to the houston point if houston loses this football game they are tied with jacksonville for second place in the afc yeah, they, and are now they, they need to win this game are now in in peril in terms of actually making the playoffs so there is a there is a huge incentive there for houston to win um I, you're going against the, so there's people with other information that like Jacksonville for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and even though we didn't, we haven't printed Green Bay LAC because it didn't come up yet until this morning. It was our no, it's our podcast pick. It's our podcast pick. Let's yeah. make the pod. Well, I, I Green Bay LAC, I might never stop betting on. So. <laughs> Let's let's do it. Right. Uh, we haven't done a first half over yet. We haven't done a, a total for the lock of the week. So lock of the week is the Green Bay first half over. We're going to bet it. Hopefully we get to donate some winnings to charity. Yeah. That's what we do every single week. Um, we'd like you to jump on board with us. We try. That's why we try and actually take <laughs> yeah. our time to pick this because yeah. we want to do something good. All right. Uh, let's roll on to the rest of the games. We're going to move kind of quickly through these. Um, if there's a sp- angle to this that we don't talk about, it's available on Green Line. Um, and Eric's DMs are always open. Yeah, <laughs> always willing to discuss Actually it not. with you. <laughs> uh, let's go in order of um, interest in these games. So the Monday Night Football game is Dallas at New York. Um, and this is interesting because people love the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. A little bit shaded the under here, I would say. Um but it, it, okay, how does how do the Giants win this game? The, the the Giants win this game 
uh, because it is like a low scoring like running back slugfest, and they have the better running back. And the linebackers for Dallas are overrated. Yeah, that yeah. that to me is how that happens, right? And then that's why I think the under being um, shaded seems smart to me. Uh, and if I were to play this game one way or the other, that's where I would go. I think. Yeah, I think the Giants' defense is a bit is a bit weak, um, and and so you're 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 hoping that Dallas makes a lot of unforced errors, which they are capable of. Certainly, the flip side to that is I think Dak Prescott should be uh, inching into the MVP Top conversation, five. and he has played tremendously well. And guess what? The Giants don't do stop Couple, anybody. Stop anybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it kind of to me depends on what the the Cowboys want to do, and here's what would worry me. Remember when the Cowboys played the Dolphins? Remember when they played the Jets? Or, uh, sorry, not the Jets. The Jets was a bad game, but they had so many injuries there. But remember when they played the Giants uh, earlier in the season? Yeah. Right? What did they do? Well, they got ahead, and then they just started running play action because yeah. they're the typical, we can do anything when we're ahead. Yeah, yeah, we just yeah. can't do it when we're behind because right. it probably won't work, team. So that would worry me, and then all of a sudden you've got this. You know, I, I like that there's narratives that I like seeing going forward and it, we just had the aaron Rodgers mvp narrative i think maybe the dak mvp narrative comes back into play here you'd and love we're to talking see, you'd about really it love Monday. to see it um th- that's been my weird like non-mathy way of looking at this season has just been to like view it in terms of what is everyone talking about right we had the russell wilson era we had the pat mahomes era the aaron Rodgers era and it's getting to be that time where i feel like the dak prescott era He's been playing really darn yeah. well, even though the team got a little bit of a slide. Yeah. Would be um, would be nice for the season win total under for the Giants to uh, to uh, get the upset, but I don't think that'll happen. I bet you Dallas will be a huge teaser play down to minus one for uh, all the folks that want action on Monday Night Football. A teaser pleasure. Uh, yeah, I mean he has a one twenty pass rating from a clean pocket. If they just push, if they just leverage play action. I think that is maybe enough to like get him into that MVP conversation. Yep. They're healthy now. They're coming off of a bye. So this is a great spot for be, Dak Prescott. It'd be interesting to see if Leonard, Leonard Williams has any effect on, on this game. Yeah. You know, maybe stopping the like, – do, do, does Dallas try to run the ball early, get stuffed a little bit, abandon play? Like, do they do the things that we preach not to do, and then this game gets into a slugfest early? Get stuffed a little bit early and then yeah. open it up? Yeah. That's our commentary for the day. Minnesota at Kansas City in what appears to be this game's head, not available. All, heading a heading lot of towards um, heading towards Matt Moore. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes looked a lot like me uh, after you know not no bueno a, a, a five game basketball session uh, in practice the other day. So th- right now the Vikings favored by two and a half points. Um, what we saw last week was the Packers favored by three and a half and then get up all the way to five, five and a half. I think the really interesting question here is, do you think that happens if Mahomes uh, is ruled out today or tomorrow? Uh, yeah, this is an interesting topic because the betting markets responded to Mahomes by basically making, what, an eight-point adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually ended up being warranted if you assumed Moore was a replacement-level player, if you look at the wins above replacement and everything. But Moore clearly is not a replacement-level player when paired with Andy Reid. He's right. probably more like the 1.5 wins above replacement player that he was with the Dolphins in one year or uh, Alex Smith was in his worst years in Kansas City. So if that's the case, then we're talking about maybe like a six-and-a-half-point adjustment. 
Now, is that being made? Is Kansas City a, a three-and-a-half-point favorite or four-point favorite at home against the Minnesota Vikings, knowing everything we know about both teams? That seems a little steep. So I think that there's a little bit of Mahomes possibly playing baked into this number. I think there has to be because I think there's a decent chance that he plays. And I kind of think I, – I really think they should at this point just say, look, we, we have the opportunity to rest you. Um, the Minnesota Vikings have at least a decent defense and, and rest him again. Because what we saw with Matt Moore is they were an Andy Reid fourth down smart decision away from being able to win that yeah. game. And, and they just couldn't make the decision, and so they weren't. Um, I would not be surprised, though. The Vikings seem to have gotten a lot of love from the market and kind of deservedly so because Kirk Cousins kind of like Dak Prescott. It's like inching his way into that, yeah, that conversation sure. with his play and his performance. And if there's one thing we know that Kansas City cannot do, it is cover. And if there's one thing we know that Minnesota can do, it is get receivers yeah, open. If you're going to bet this game, you probably have to be pretty sure about what's going to happen to Adam Thielen. I, I think he is sure. a non-trivial uh, part of that team. He was limited in practice early in the week. Probably, I would guess he's playing after taking last week off. Um, the Chiefs have really committed to stopping the run the last few weeks with Kylan Saunders uh, and Derek Naughty. I don't know if that'll actually be successful against Alvin Cook and company, but like, essentially, you know, they're they're going to probably dare Kirk Cousins to throw the football, and that's been a bad strategy for teams. So, uh, I think for me, it's Vikings or nothing here. I'm with you there. A uh, couple more. Let's kind of go quickly through this. Chicago at Philly. Uh, people talking about. Mitch Trubisky is should they bench him is exactly what I had hoped I'd be hearing um, midway through the NFL season. Not because I have anything against Mitch. Love Mitch. Nice guy, I think. But uh, everyone told us we were stupid for saying that a guy who led the league in negatively graded plays last season was going to all of a sudden. That's the most stable metric we've got. And all of a sudden he's going to bounce into a totally different quarterback and become a guy that doesn't throw uncatchable passes and actually leads his team to a top 10 offense the, that uh, has not happened no well and and not only that but the 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 unstable of those two metrics uh has regressed for trubisky only josh rosen among qualified quarterbacks has produced fewer positively graded throws as a percentage of his dropback so not great bob yeah um despite all this i i kind of liked the bears at at the price on the monday morning pod and then the numbers slapped me in the face so for me i think it's a, it's a uh i'm gonna lay off this i think yep i'm with you there uh i do think this will be a very interesting game and an interesting one really more so from the eagles perspective yes. i'm very curious if they sustain any sort of sound play um it you know it looks increasingly unlikely that deshaun jackson is gonna like be himself I don't know. I've heard people talk about how he's going to really need surgery to be back to what he wants to be. Five is a, is a lot. Um, you know, I think the the Trubisky media coverage is certainly damning. And I think the the public also likes to hop on Philly when they show any, any sign. Any sign of, you know? of competence, but, yeah. But if the Eagles are anything like what we they've been the whole season, they're going to end up starting the game super slowly. And then the march to them covering five points is kind of rough. Yep. Detroit at Oakland, we already discussed. I uh, just have it on the list, so I'm reading things off. Let's get to the garbage games of the week. This is Indy at Pittsburgh. Um, you, 
you were really on point last week with everything Pittsburgh related. And we were sitting there watching Pittsburgh and Miami. And there was a point where Pittsburgh is down 14-0. And the Dolphins are still like plus money to win the game. That was a sacrifice that I personally made Same. so that the spread would end up covering by just a point. We needed every bit of that sacrifice, and uh, Pittsburgh ends up coming back. So the question, I guess, is the market overreacting to the fact that they ended up winning that game convincingly over yeah. like the, the second half, or are they weighing appropriately the fact they were down 14 nothing to Miami? Both of these teams, so if you look at PFF War and you add up the wins that a team has generated with its roster, are bottom 10 in the league so the indianapolis colts are a team that i think are are punching far above their weight class frank reich and, and frank reich is terrific he's, he's probably not going to win coach of the year again this yeah. year which is pittsburgh bold. pittsburgh is a team that is one juju smith schuster fumble away from being in first place in that division right now um you know with the tiebreaker so you look you take that and mason rudolph uh, granted he's throwing on air in this you know last three quarters uh, against the Dolphins is not atrocious. And those receivers, Deontay Johnson, Juju, uh, you know, have, have made some plays over the last few weeks. Their defense is great, uh, even though uh, Stephon Tuitt's not there. But it's just hard because I like so many things about Indianapolis – and I, and I don't you – know, Pittsburgh just leaves me wanting more in terms of like they just – there's always in something general, with them. The yeah. That being said – we talked about Pittsburgh as a possible, like we talked about Pittsburgh as a good bet going into the year. Baltimore has a tough schedule moving forward. Um, the AFC is weak. If you have tickets on Pittsburgh either winning the AFC North or or making it to the playoffs at plus money, the play here for me is is Indianapolis on the money line. Because I think if Pittsburgh wins, there's a clear path to them making the playoffs in the AFC. And if they don't, there isn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so... And this was a really tough game where, where right after Andrew Luck retired, we wrote the article about Pittsburgh being a good bet, saying, okay, this is another game on their schedule that isn't on the Cleveland Brown. We weren't even considering Baltimore at the time. Yeah. This is a, a game on their schedule that's far easier than it was at first blush. And, and so, to me, if you're getting a pick here and you are getting cold feet about Pittsburgh, just betting Indianapolis. I'm with and there is there. some value in Indianapolis. I'm with you there. If I had to take one side... I'm rolling with the Colts. Uh, you know, better quarterback, better coach situation, getting less. Than and coming points. off of a less than stellar out game for them as well, oh, having absolutely. won only by one to Denver at home. Yeah, everyone beats Denver, uh, except for the Chargers. The New York Jets are going to play the Miami Dolphins. No one cares about this game unless you are betting on it. The New and York if you Jets, bet on it, you better bet on it early. Yeah, the New York Jets are now just three-point uh, favorites. It was six. five and a half on Monday, I believe. Yeah, yeah look ahead was six. Um, anyways, five and a half was great. Three, not so great. So probably laying off this one. But here's my question. Say it's three now and you have to pick one side. Which side are you going with? Uh, dolphins. Yep. Correct answer. Next up, the Denver Broncos are going to Carolina to face the now underwhelming Carolina Panthers after getting curve stomped by the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the Denver Broncos are playing Brandon Allen. Uh, no, it's uh, Tennessee. T-E-N. There you go. Yeah, that's how much we care about this game. I'm just going to retire now. Go, go to go to Greenline and... Can I uh, curse? 
<laughs> go to Greenline uh, and and have a look at this uh, great matchup between Ryan Tannehill and uh, and uh, Kyle, not Brandon Allen. Both these games can go suck my you know what. <laughs> uh, they both stink. But if you had to take one side of Carolina, Tennessee, Tennessee, which, yeah, screw it. Brian Tannehill's played really well. One thirty-three pass rating when clean. 29 when under pressure that ain't great but here's the thing you want to fade passing under pressure because it's unstable um and so if he's been that good when he's been clean the only thing i would say is that uh you're buying you you know you're fading the panthers at the bottom of the market yes i will counter with this should kyle allen who you know i'm never going to judge mistakes on a podcast because i call them brandon for five minutes sure it, does he deserve being more than a field goal favorite to anybody? Uh, right, but you could say yes, but it's Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I mean, but Tannehill's a former first-round pick who started in the league for like a dec- half He's a decade. He's also a former wide receiver. That's true. The The well, thing with that, that that game is that the Titans are always the team that the second you think they're good, they suck. Yeah, that's what the Titans are. 100%. So, so so if in you, fact, they're so, they're so uh, much like that that I'm trying to change their name because I'm trying to forget about them. Well, they've already changed their own name. They yeah, were the Oilers. True. So the, uh, if you have Tennessee win total under this year, possible middle here. If you get Carolina to win by three, you push closer to the under. You also get some value. That, that might be a way to think about this game. Other than that, I don't find it compelling at all. What about, speaking of compelling and rich, rich rich like the food cleveland denver freddie kitchens can we like let me i don't think i could bring myself to to bet on freddie kitchens right now well can can we predict uh let's predict a scenario where that's similar to having fourth and 11 taking a delay a game so that you don't have to waste the time out and you can put your offense on the field for fourth and 16. What is it going to be this week in Denver for the Cleveland Browns? It's a great question. I don't know how you can beat that. Because that, that, is, that is great job, Vance, you dumb bleep yep. level buffoonery. That's, and Denver was the place. I'm trying to think. So, like, the moving further away to kick a field goal, you know, is a good one. Losing to Brandon Allen is is a feat that I think, like, gets you fired. The, I mean, the draw play. Now, there's some debate. I forgot about the draw play. There's some debate oh my God. on whose fault that was, <laughs> but that was amazing as well. Uh, um, I forgot about the draw play. The draw play, play was incredible. <laughs> I mean... It's absolutely extraordinary. Here's what I'm going to guess for this week is that there's going to be some sort of epic debacle with a challenge that he's going to be kind of inside his own head so much that he's going to challenge something that just like you, you just should never challenge and it's going to be in a bad spot. That's that's my call. What do you think? Yeah, um, my my guess is that Baker Mayfield will throw like two non-turnover worthy throw interceptions. Like they'll just they'll throw the ball at Antonio Callaway and the ball hit him in his face and some rando yeah, that's from, never happened. Before. Some rando from Denver is going to pick it off. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to be like hit as he throws, ball pops up picked off by Chris Harris. And Freddie Kitchens is going to pull the plug and go with Garrett Gilbert for, wow. no, for no reason, right? Like you really it, came in firing. I guess I should have slept more last night. <laughs> so, right, cuz that would be like obviously the thing not to do is to like, you know, 
right. create a crap environment for a quarterback and then bench him as a result. So um, if that's the case, if then you don't even have an we just get the AAF like back if, in. If you don't even have an environment, it can be a crap environment. Yeah. The, 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 the absence of one. The is, absence is, of one. Is, yeah. yeah, it's not good. That's uh, that's all of the games for this week. A decent slate. We had a decent number of games mm-hmm. that we were intrigued by. Um, the Sunday night game is good. The Monday night game is somewhat compelling. Yep. And the Thursday night game is bettable. So there you go. Now, I think we do have to spend a couple of minutes. We're running a little over. But you have a story. Usually we do a Cincy Y story. Yeah. But you have a story. I don't think anything there would, would, would qualify. You have a story that deserves being told. So if you have like the elevator speech version of it, I think you should tell it. Yeah. I mean, you and I are you know, really good friends. I talk to you about this all the time, but I have two children. You do? Very, very close Lovely together. Lovely human beings. Very close together. Mm-hmm. May or may not have been planned. Um, now, my wife would like a third child. Lovely woman. And and I and I'm 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 holding back on it a little bit. I, yeah. I don't you know I I would love a third child, but that person doesn't exist yet, so I don't have to love it. So, um, and and so we we've sort of thought about okay, like a dog, but I don't like dogs. And I don't want to pay for a dog, and I don't yeah. want to take care of it. And my two children are in no five five and six years old are in no position to. So we've started to like negotiate. You know, what what would it take to for me to relent on this? And yet on Tuesday, having a great day, doing some math. You were here. having a great day. You were kicking some butt. And uh they just they just bought a dog. They just went and bought one. They just went and bought one. And and so it's Tuesday at like I'm 3 noticeably PM. pissed off at the office, right? Like I couldn't believe it. When you told me, yeah, I didn't even want to say. Honestly, I was so like, I, I can't relate. Obviously, yeah. Um, so I don't know what was going through your head at that time. When you got home, the first thing you see the dog for the first time. Any any sort of like, oh, it's kind of cute. Kind of like it. The dog is fun. the dog is immediate is very cute. But as a principal person, my 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 oldest came up to me and hugged me. And and said, hey, look what we got. And I said, I just flat out said no. So to my wife's credit, she sold the dog for more than we bought it for. So I'm starting to think maybe there's a maybe there's a future for us in a dog flippers. Exactly. A TV show called Dog Flippers. And I know we're going to get this is all a joke. So don't like PETA people. Don't get mad. Do you think anyone from PETA is a podcast? (laughs) Maybe. Um, but yeah, so so ultimately, we we uh, I, I might put in my Twitter profile, you know, husband, dad, five, three day dog three owner, day dog. dog flipper, <laughs> dog flipper. You're a dog flipper. So yeah, this so is, that was that was honestly, I just I just remember uh, slacking you, just being like, this is my nightmare. Well, the funny thing about this is we have talked, uh, you know, over the course of the past probably a couple of months about this process, and I have given you a ton of great wisdom. Yes. As I am, you know, in the right place to do as as someone with no kids who has no uh, stake in this game, have, have offered you options like, hey, you should have, you know, your daughter's like dog walk to like make money and see if they actually like want to take care of a dog, like all these great decisions. And so I feel like I've kind of commiserated with you every time that they go to the pet store. I'm like, I'm terrified for Eric. And then they finally just do it. 
And I, I just can't imagine. I, I'm so glad you, you didn't um, acquiesce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. Because I don't know if we'd have been able to, to move past that. No, no. The, the dog flipping part at the end was amazing. I, I, dog I, flippers. To my wife's credit. That I, is going to be a show on like HGTV very yeah. soon. Okay. That's our show. We'll be back Sunday night uh, after Sunday Night Football. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, pff.com. Get yourself a PFF lead subscription. See you guys on the flip side. notice a healthy smile but maybe you have tooth sensitivity bleeding gums or acid weakened enamel sensodyne periodontax and pronamel are trusted specialty toothpaste created to help improve your oral health for tooth sensitivity choose sensodyne bleeding gums get periodontax for acid weakened enamel pronamel is the toothpaste for you sensodyne periodontax and pronamel trusted specialty toothpaste to help bring home your healthy smile visit ibotta to earn cash back